Okay, once again, Missionary Enterprise, Missionary Aid International in association with Zoll Embassy, Port Harcourt, Nigeria, Africa. This is the Anointing Pneumatology Lordship of the Spirit. Day four, part four, last part. And uh, part three was great. And this is a little bit tedious here in this last part. But anyhow, we're going to go through it pretty quickly. For the video's sake, we must never lose sight of the great fact and reality that people are going into an eternal hell every day. That's what I said. Even while we're doing this conference right now, there are people all over the world entering hell and never coming out. All right? Never. And I say this in context that a big part of the church has become self-centered, all caught up about our own needs instead of the needs of the world, which is salvation. That should be our preoccupation. And we do have legitimate needs such as money, good health, homes, computers, etc., 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 of course. Yet all of these have already been given to, provided for us freely, yet positionally by His grace. So let's take a peek at Matthew 6, 31 to 33 uh, to prove what I just said. Therefore, do not worry and be anxious, saying, What are we going to have to eat, or what are we going to have to drink, or what are we going to have to wear? For, for the Gentiles wish and crave and diligently seek all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows well that you need them all. What do we not understand about that? I'm a little bit red here. I don't know. Anyhow, but seek, aim at, and strive after first of all His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things, all these things that the heathen are seeking after, taken together, will be given you besides. That's a huge promise that we receive by faith. Note, verse 32, it says that our Father knows well that we need all these things that all the heathen seek after, promising us that He would make sure that we have all of these things based upon the condition found in verse 33. So let's become kingdom-centered, kingdom-centered, kingdom-minded, centered on the kingdom and of God and its King Jesus, and all these things will be added to us, and these things are mentioned in verse 31, very clear. Another note here for this, for far too many Christians think and believe they are seeking God and His kingdom, yet in real reality they are just being religious, uh-oh, going through the motions, which I call religious gymnastics, uh-oh, all right, never been good at gymnastics, never really liked it, actually. Ugh. So anyhow, let's do a short recap of day one, day two, three. Day one, Holy Spirit in Genesis account. Day two, Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And day three, which was last video, Holy Spirit in the life and ministry of Jesus, the head of the church. And woo, today's going to be good. Those of us who are born of the Spirit must also do and accomplish everything by the same Spirit in the very same way that Jesus did everything by the Spirit in order to have the very same results as Jesus did. All right? We need to look at the life of Jesus, which we already did, as well as looking at the life of the early disciples before they were born again, as well as looking at the life of the Apostle Paul and others in the book of Acts and everything they were able to accomplish for the kingdom, all by the Spirit. And all of this, and all or most of this, belongs to you and me because we have the very same Spirit. Very same Spirit. Never compare yourself to another preacher, no matter how great they may be, but compare yourself to the chief shepherd, the head of the church, because the early disciples did exactly 
that which is why they were so successful. Yeah, we are in union with Jesus and not some famous preacher. And I say this in context with Colossians 3, 1 to 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, uh, aim at and seek uh, that which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Of course, we're seated there with him. And set your minds and keep them set on what is above, not on the things that are on the earth. For as you have died and your new life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him. Note, we already have the life of Jesus in our new nature, the recreated spirit. But this life has to be formed and transferred in our soul or sense, man. James 1.21, perfect example of that. So that we can actually walk in it. Yes, so now let's begin with the main teaching of the day for uh, day four which is our final day regarding the life of the Spirit in the life of the New Testament believers, the New, New Testament saints. Uh, so let's start with the new birth, the born of the Spirit. John 3, 5 to 6. Jesus answered, I assure you most solemn, solemnly, I tell you, unless a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the Spirit is spirit. Spirit to spirit. The spirit mentioned here is the same spirit found in Genesis 1, verse 2. We need to be born of the same spirit who is the creator. Wow, that's huge. That's massive. All right? We need to get a hold of that. Also, regarding born of the spirit, Titus 3, 5, he saved us not only uh, not because of the works, any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own pity and mercy, uh, the cleansing bath, uh, the new birth, regeneration, and renewing, of the Holy Spirit. So note, this English word regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, the English word is regeneration is actually the Greek uh, 3824 Strong's number, transliteration, palingenesia. Again, Genesis, definition, regeneration, renewal, usage, and new birth, regeneration, renewal. All right, so note, this word tells us that we're back in a garden, all right? Back in the Garden of Eden, not physically, but spiritually via the new creation, which is tied in with the original creation. The new creation is the new Genesis. It really is. Those of us who are born of the Spirit, born again, born of God, born from above, born of incorruptible seed, must learn to live by the Spirit as Jesus was born and live by the Spirit. Jesus was born of the Spirit. Come on, give me a break. He was. All right? Joseph was not involved. So let's look at John 14 here, 16 to 17, regarding the Holy Spirit and the believer. And I will, I will ask the Father, Jesus speaking here, and he will give you another comforter mm -hmm, that he may repay, remain with you forever. Uh, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him nor know him, recognize him. But you know him and recognize him for he lives with you and will be in you. Uh, note, the latter part of verse 17 has reference to what is called the indwelling spirit, meaning the spirit dwells within us. Once we are born of him, dwelling within us to lead, guide, teach us, correct us, all of this, all of this from within. Yes, we are his temple. 
where he makes his home, his place of residence. Yes, we're the temple. John 14, 26, but the comforter, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall everything I have told you. Yes, now this is before the cross, right? They didn't write things down like we should be doing today. We don't, they didn't have the Bible like we have today. Note, when Jesus said that he would drive out demons, uh, etc., in his name, uh, when he said that we would do those things in his name, Mark 16, 17, he meant in his place as his representatives on his behalf, as his ambassadors, as his body on the earth, by the same spirit that he did these things. All right. And if it was Jesus, as if it was Jesus himself upon the earth once all over again, the spirit is here to live out to the max, the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, upon the earth through his body, the church. What we read in the four gospels regarding the works, the activities of Christ, these activities are to be the activities of the church, his body, since he's the head and we are his body. Yeah, makes sense? Well, it should by now. John 15, 26. But when the, the comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, same Spirit, whom comes... Uh, uh, from the Father, he himself will testify regarding me. Overall, note, overall, the Spirit has no interest in us but Jesus. <laughs> Yet we are his body, and he dwells within us to testify about Jesus regarding the life and ministry of Jesus. And one of the main ways he does this is by doing the very same works that he was able to do through Jesus. Acts 10.38, same Spirit, same works. The works of Jesus are are the works of the Spirit. Let's get that straight. Let's go to John 16, 13, 15, regarding uh, the Spirit and the believer. Uh, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak his own message. He will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come. He will honor and glorify me, Jesus, because he will take of my, what is mine, and reveal it to you and me. Everything that the Father has is mine. That is what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and will reveal them to you. All right, so note, in these three little verses here, we have the word Spirit two times, Yet the, pro, the personal pronoun is used nine times, representing the same spirit according to the Amplified. Jesus is putting so much emphasis upon the spirit for all the right reasons, since the spirit is the one is to be his perfect representative as if Jesus was here himself. And even if Jesus was here once again himself, yeah, he'd still be doing everything by the spirit, all right? Note, again, in verse 13, the Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. And we know that Jesus is the truth, John 14, 6, as well as the Word of God being the Word of Truth, John 17, 17. Note, in verse 14, Jesus said that the Spirit would glorify Him, which is what we read, what we just read in John 15, 26. He will testify of me. To testify of Jesus means He will glorify me. 
God will go out of his way to repeat himself since most of us are slow learners to the point in being spiritually dull of hearing and learning. God does not want us to remain in this condition, but to become like him since we're to become sons of God and no longer remain as children of God. Done lots of teachings on that. Don't have time to get into that. But let's look at Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, habitually led in the Greek by the Spirit of God, are sons of God. This reminds me of what we read. We read yesterday or the other time, uh, part three, about Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Matthew 4, 1. And this, and this same verse is properly translated is key in walking in our sonship as we learn what it takes to be continually led by the Spirit in all that we say and do in the same way that Jesus was continually and habitually led by the Spirit in everything that he said and did. And some translations have the word children, yet this is wrong since there is a big difference between being a child of God and a son of God. It's called growing up, maturity, discipleship. The more we walk in our sonship as God, sons of God, or the, the, the sons of God, yet yeah, God's sons, the more we will walk as Jesus walks, since Jesus is God's firstborn son from the dead in his humanity. And the more we walk as he walked, the more we will see the very same fruit. Yeah! This is the whole point of this teaching, so that we can walk as Jesus walks. Say goodbye Au revoir to carnal Christians, carnal Christianity, or even churchianity. We don't need none of that. That's rubbish. Okay, the world does not need churchianity. There you go. But the manifestation of the sons of God, Romans 8, 19. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, 11 regarding the Holy Spirit and the New Testament saint. For what person perceives what passes through a man's thoughts except man's own spirit within him, just so no one discerns uh, the thoughts of God expect, except the Spirit of God. Note, the whole chapter is worth reading, absolutely. The Spirit is the only one who is qualified to reveal the mind of God to each one of us because the Spirit is God. This is so key when it comes to preachers, teachers, authors in the church. So key. Let's also look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. uh, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Note, we have already looked at this verse the other day regarding our physical body being the temple of God, but more precisely, it's our recreated spirit, the new nature, being carried out in our body, that is the actual temple. At the end of this verse, it says that we are not our own, which is based upon verse 20, which says we've been bought with a price. We don't belong to ourselves, as well as not belonging to any pastor or apostle, etc., in the church. Your pastor never died for you, yet we do need one another since we're all part of the same body, the same family, working together with our different giftings, different functions. Yes, what Jesus endured before as well as at the cross, is more than all the tortures, martyrs, illnesses put together because Jesus was sinless. All right? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 3 to 11. A little bit long here, but regarding the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, the body of Christ. Therefore, I make known to you that 
No one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. 8 to 11. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, yes, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, oh, oh for those who don't like tongues, oh well. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He, Spirit, wills. The word Spirit is mentioned at least nine times, and the personal pronoun is mentioned once. These verses are perfect, the representation of the Spirit as the Creator, as well as the performer of the Word, as well as the miracle worker, the operator of miracles, signs, and wonders. And verse 11 is key in all this, which describes the Lordship of the Spirit. It really does, which is something we don't hear much about. The Spirit is here to demonstrate, put on display the life and ministry of Jesus, meaning the Lordship of Jesus. Isn't that great? That's beautiful. All right. Galatians 5, 16 to 18, 22 to 23 and 25. Let's start with 16 to 18 regarding the Spirit and the believer. But I say, walk and live in the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Spirit, and the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. Yes, uh, but if you are guided, led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. 22 to 25, uh, 22, 23, and then 25. But the fruit of the Spirit, the work of His presence, is love, joy, peace, patience, uh, uh, kindness, goodness. Yes gentleness, self-control, against such thing there is no law. Uh, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So I said, born of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Um, if by the Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. It's all by the Spirit. Note, born of the Spirit to be led to walk and live by the Spirit. And the life of the Spirit is the life of Jesus. Verse 16 and 25 is key in all of this, which lines up with what I said in Romans 8:14 regarding the present tense. Jesus walked in this 24-7-365. Therefore, so must we, since he is our pattern or example, he's our prototype, he's our model. All right? He was the very first one to walk in all of this. All right? They didn't walk in this. Uh, in the Old Testament, Old Testament saints. you got to be kidding. Ephesians 3.16 is another great one, as well as verse 20 regarding the Spirit and the believer. May he grant you out of the rich treasure of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power <coughs> in the inner man by the Spirit. Um, Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who, uh, by the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think. Yes, note, you will never understand verse 20. Never, 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 never until you've understood verse 16 since the word spirit is not found in verse 20. Yes, 
All this reminds me once again of Acts 10.38. Same spirit, same power. And according to verse 20, his power is already actively at work within us, but it has to be put in operation motion via our faith. Get this verse inside of you. Note, don't ask God for his power or for more power. Yeah, never, ever, never, ever. We already have the power because we already have his spirit. Since you do have his spirit, you do have his power and his power is released via our faith. We need to start coming in agreement with these types of verses instead of our circumstances. Back to the walk of faith versus the walk of sight. God gave us these verses so that we can, he can manifest them as when he chooses. Yes, let's look at Revelations 2.7. This is a huge one. The one who has ears has an ear. You got ears? I got two of them. I don't know about you. <laughs> Let him hear what the Spirit says to his church, uh, to their churches. Uh, to the one who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life, yum, 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 uh, which is in the paradise of God. Note, this is a great reference to the Lordship of the Spirit over the church, the body of Christ. And we also know that there is only one, one church, yet made up of many different local bodies, churches, in which the Holy Spirit has been given the mandate and charge to look over each one of them via the different giftings found in Ephesians 4.11, etc. The church is called the body of Christ and not the body of the Spirit. Yet the Spirit resides within the body of Christ. It's all about Jesus, yet it's all done by the Spirit. All right? So we've been taught on the Lordship of Jesus, but we've not heard much when it comes to the Lordship of the Spirit. All right? So miscellaneous verses regarding the Spirit, these are very interesting. 2 Peter 1.21 For no prophecy ever originated because some man willed it, but men spoke from God who were born along by the Spirit. This is a great reference regarding one of the primary operations of the Spirit via God's people. Let's also look at 2 Timothy 3.16 Every scripture is God-breathed. Uh, yes, uh, uh, profitable for instruction, reproof, conviction of sin, correction of error, discipline in obedience, training in righteousness. Yes. Uh, the English word, note, the English word God breathe is from the Greek theonoustia, big word, which carries the word pneuma, which is the main Greek word for our English word spirit, and spirit, uppercase, Holy Spirit, lowercase, the spirit of man, and yes. Uh, this is where we get pneumatology or the theology, the doctrine of the Spirit. All right. So something else we can look at before we close this conference is 1 Corinthians 14, 13 to 15. Uh, Therefore, let him, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, not the Holy Spirit, my, my human spirit, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. I say all this in context with 1 Corinthians 14, 2 and 4. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So note here, all of this has to do with the Spirit, absolutely, and the baptism of the Spirit with the recreated Spirit of man, 
with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. The Spirit praying from, through your recreated Spirit, which is where He lives and dwells. All right? So that was basically the teaching. And then I had some uh, Q&A time. So here are the questions and the answers. Great questions. So it, it demanded great answers, and I had the answers, basically. Uh, question number one was, how do we recognize a false man or a false woman of God, since this seems to be a real problem in our churches? And this was come from people in Nigeria. Uh, many claim to be speaking by the Spirit, but are they speaking by the Holy Spirit or some other spirit or just out of their flesh? So I had two answers to this. We have the blood-bought right to know these things according to 1 Corinthians 12.10 regarding the discernment of spirits, as well as 2 Corinthians 5.16, regarding knowing people by the Spirit. There's no reason for any of us to be deceived, even in our home churches. No, there's no reason for that. You can be born of God, yet operating out of your own flesh or by some other spirit, unfortunately. All right, and you need to guard yourself against that. Another answer I had here, we have the right to reject such men and women, yet without speaking ill will against them or talking behind their backs. Two wrongs don't make a right. The best thing to do is to walk away seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit so that he can instruct you what to do and where to go next. Yes, that's what he did with me. We've been given the God-given freedom to run away from error and to run towards the truth. It has never been God's will for his children to be deceived by wolves and sheep's clothing. Warnings are everywhere in the Bible, starting from Genesis all the way to Revelation. The next question was, question number two, what about the fake miracles in the church today? My answer was, these are certainly fake. There are certainly fake miracles in the church today, but you also need to know about 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. Mm. The Holy Spirit is always ready to help, protect, guide, warn us, which is one of the main operations of a true shepherd regarding the word poimen, meaning to protect. Next question was, question number three, why does it seem like Old Testament saints had greater impact upon their society compared to New Testament saints in some cases, but especially compared with the modern church today? Great question. Answer. I got three answers to this. Those who accomplished great exploits for God in the Old Testament, as well in the New Testament, including church history, we do have some, had a greater reverence for God and the things of God. Even before the dispensation of the law, as well as after we have men and women who took God seriously and at his word. Just read Hebrews 11. Wow. The great faith chapter. Yet not all of them, that's for sure. And out of the same epistle, which is uh, the epistle of Hebrews, which is really called the epistle of warnings, we have all kinds of warnings that apply for us today. Yet these warnings were first given to Old Testament saints. Just read Hebrews 2. 1 to 4. My next answer was, for the last for the last so many years, I will say that most local churches have not taken God's word as seriously as they should have, which is a big part of my testimony when it comes to me having left the organized church only after a few years of being born again. Yeah, having visited many different kinds of churches before doing so, uh, Catholic churches, Baptist, Pentecostal, uh, Seventh-day Adventist, Word of Faith, Charismatic, non-denominational churches, having left for all the right reasons to the point of being spiritually discouraged and frustrated. Whoa, was I ever. Yeah, but I kept up a strong prayer life, 
seeking God, which is what got me to where I'm at today and where I will be going with God. My next answer, I love the church, but I don't love nor like the present condition of the overall church. We have a sickness, disease, ailment, infirmity in the church called churchianity. Many faithfully attend a local church on Sundays, but the rest of the week they watch sports, pornography, serve mammon, commit spiritual as well as sexual adultery and fornication, living and behaving as if God does not see them or as if God does not even exist. You believe that? Yeah, this is everywhere. And another answer to the same question was, we have many preachers in the church today that don't believe that the four gospels are for today called cessationism. That is called false teaching. And then we've got those who call themselves apostles, prophets, miracle workers, yet they are not. All right, so this is not helping. And we've got preachers whose focus is all about money, prosperity. This is why we need a final reformation. All right, last question with two answers. Question number four. We keep having these prayer meetings Praying hard and long prayers all in the name of Jesus, but nothing seems to ever change. Yeah, great question. To pray in his name is to pray in his place by the Spirit, praying according to his will and not our own will, as well as praying in faith. Yet there are many times we don't need to pray, but to believe regarding something that God has already done for, given us via his grace, as well as something he's promised us positionally, everything positionally, right? Even with prophecies, they need to be believed. Hebrews 4.2, Joshua 1.8, as well as getting prepared for them. What about Abraham? Romans 4.17-21. What about Noah that walked with God? All right? So things have not changed that much when it comes to faith. Faith in God's word, God's promises. Old Testament, New Testament. Another answer I gave was most Christians, including preachers, are not walking with God. They're just not walking with God. They're not living wrong overall, but they're just not walking with God. But walking with other Christians, preachers, as well as walking with self, the old man, prom promises or prophetic words, prophecies should get you closer to God. They always did with me, boy, as well as giving us to us in seed form to renew our minds, to transform our soul, to sow into our garden so they can grow as trees. Big part of my ministry, big part of my teachings. Don't have time to get into that right now, even though we touched on that a little bit today. But anyhow, thank you for your time. And as I always finish my videos, I always encourage the people to walk in the fullness of your sonship by learning how to walk in the fullness of the grace of God and of the faith of God, because it's faith that gives access to the grace of God. Shalom and amen.